This week on the Jay Doherty Podcast, we take a look at the U.S.-U.K. relationship and how it's developed into chaos in the past few days, weeks, and months. Also, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell attacks Trump, and Trump strikes back. Here's a guy, nobody ever heard of him before, and now uh, I made him, and he, he wants to show how tough he is, okay? Let him show how tough he is. He's, a, he's, a, he's not doing a good job. Next, we'll do a quick 2020 check to see how the Democratic candidates are doing and how the media is reporting on it. Finally, we'll talk about the increasing prices in the tech industry and how companies like Apple, desperate for cash, are designing professional devices built for everyone. All of that and more on episode 89 of the Jay Dorney Podcast. This is the Jay Doherty Podcast. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast. My name is Jay Doherty. Thank you so much for listening. As I said, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, first, Britain. Uh, and particularly, this uh, guy, Mr., I guess the proper title will be Sir Kim Darrock. He is the UK ambassador to the United States. He just stepped down, according to uh, British Prime Minister Theresa May. And uh, Theresa May is not exactly the biggest fan of Trump, and Trump is not the biggest fan of Theresa May as indicated in the many tweets that he sent out. We'll also talk about uh, Jerome Powell. He is now in the news because uh, he said if Trump wanted him to get out, basically fire him, he would refuse the request for a resignation because he has a four-year term. Also talk about uh, new Apple products like the Mac Pro and a new Nintendo product because the tech industry is really kind of desperate for cash these days. And uh, we'll take a look at some patterns at least economically, in that area. This is episode 89 of the Jay Doherty Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you are listening live, I appreciate it. And if you're listening on the podcast, that is great, too. Uh, before we get started, though, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast is brought to you in part by Blueberry. If you are looking to host your podcast, go to Blueberry to get the fastest download and accessibility times, no matter how big or small your podcast is. Use my name, Jay Doherty, J-A-Y-D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, all one word at checkout, and you can get one month free of Blueberry's uh, service when you use the code J-A-Y-D-O-H-E-R-T-Y at checkout. The uh, website is Blueberry.com. Don't forget to use that code, and you'll get a month free. We thank Blueberry for their generous support of the show. Sir Kim Derrock. Uh, that's not, in, at least in America, that's not a name you hear very often. He is the ambassador to the United States, and he um, is not the biggest fan of Trump, um, as many, that's the general consensus, consensus uh for pretty much every other country in the world except our enemies, which is the ironic part. Trump kind of has this uh, pattern of making, at least visibly displaying our allies as enemies, our enemies as allies. You see Putin, uh, at least, and I say visibly, meaning in terms of rhetoric, um, in terms of, of him speaking. There's a lot of uh, policy decisions he's made, um that have been tougher on Russia, as he says, but he kind of refuses to actually say that Russia is a true enemy of the United States, and when he sits down with Kim Jong-un, 
he takes all of his verbal praise but ignores the way he treats his citizens, the way he, he is a dictator, the way he um, has described Donald Trump himself. I mean, he's he said pretty pretty mean things about Donald Trump, about how, uh, you know, he's uh, not smart, how he can trick him, how he can do all this stuff, and that's exactly what he's doing, but Donald Trump plays into it. Let's get back to uh, Mr. Kim Darrock. He uh, basically, in a private, or at least what he thought was a private conversation, said that Trump was, quote, uniquely dysfunctional and inept. To be more specific, he uh, described the Trump White House, so collectively everyone who works in that fine White House, that big mansion on Pennsylvania Avenue, and after this was leaked, that he said this, Donald Trump immediately tweeted, "The wacky ambassador and that you uh, and sorry, the wacky ambassador that the UK foisted upon the United States is not someone we are thrilled with. A very stupid guy. He should speak to his country and Prime Minister May about their failed Brexit negotiation and maybe not be upset with my criticism of how badly it was handled. I told Theresa May how to do that deal, but she went on her own foolish way, was unable to get it done. A disaster." I don't know the ambassador, but I have uh, been told he is a pompous fool. Tell him the USA now has the best econ- uh, economy and military anywhere in the world by far, and they are both only getting bigger, better, and stronger. Thank you, Mr. President. And again, that was by Donald Trump. He's saying thank you to himself, something he does not directly frequently, but he did do it in this case. So, I don't know, okay, so first of all, it it is Mr. Derek's fault. He, you know, he was the one who said this, and in his defense, he did think it was a private conversation. I can understand, I feel the same way about Trump. It is uniquely dysfunctional, and many times Trump does seem inept. But, when you're in a position of power, such as an ambassador, and you haven't even met Trump, and, you know, you have the potential of this coming out, ruining your career. I don't know why you would uh, do that. I don't know why you would say that, because anything, anything can be leaked. Today, though, Theresa May went on the floor of uh, the Parliament and told the Speaker, John Burkow, that uh, Mr. Derrock is going to uh, be departing. Because he resigned, and Ms. May said that it was a matter of regret. Mr. Speaker, this morning I have spoken to Sir Kim Darroch. I have told him that it is a matter of great regret that he has felt it necessary to leave his position as ambassador in Washington. The, the whole cabinet rightly gave its full support to Sir Kim on Tuesday. Sir Kim has given. Sir Kim has given a lifetime of service to the United Kingdom, and we owe him an enormous debt of gratitude. All right, so he, she goes on, talks about his legacy and stuff. But uh, they made the, he made the right decision. He should resign. And, you know, I think he was a decent guy. I don't think there was anything wrong with him. He just wasn't careful with his, with his words, and um, this got out publicly. I'm sure there's a lot of people who say a lot worse things that uh, do not go out publicly, and perhaps they are sitting in that big white building on Pennsylvania Avenue. 
and not in a country that is an ally of ours. Now, the interesting part here is that Bob Woodward, the legendary newsman journalist uh, who works now for the Washington Post and has for a long time, they have basically, of course, you know their books, uh, they have said that this none of this is news. It really isn't news, uh, because there's such a pattern of dysfunction in the Trump White House. Now, of course, they are biased, they're very liberal, and they have been liberal for a very long time, uh, but they're saying that this type of um, news is not really news. This is what happens very, very frequently. I, but, you know, the thing, I think we have to look at the broader picture in this case, because Britain has, for a long time, before they started taxing us to misery in uh, around 1776, they've been a, a pretty good ally of the United States. And they, I mean, truly, they um, they do owe the United States a lot, but at the same time, they're one of our closest allies, and we need them because um, they we share many of the same values. We're, uh, you know, uh, the, I mean, obviously, the monarchy has no control. They are technically a... Um, you know, a form of government that is, uh, you know, fair and completely similar to the United States. It's a parliamentary system, a constitutional monarchy, and a unitary state. And um, when you look at the relationship um, uh, with the United States, th you know, it's essential. They're, the United States and the, um, the UK is essential. They have no closer ally whatsoever than the United Kingdom. Uh, and British foreign policy emphasizes close coordination with the United States, and the cooperation that they've had for so long, you know, just after America was born, a couple, I mean, we just remember the anniversary, July 4th, uh, of course it took a little time for them to, uh, you know, understand our whole deal here, but the idea of bilateral, bi bilateral cooperation was really the whole forefront of a common language ideals and a democrat, uh, democratic practices for and of the two nations. In fact, I'll have the link on the website. On the U.S. Embassy, uh, the subdomain for the United Kingdom, the um, uh, website actually says, specifically, uh, let me see here, it says, the United States has no closer ally than the United Kingdom, and British foreign policy emphasizes close coordination with the United States. Bilateral, bilateral cooperation reflects the common language, ideals, and democratic practices of the two nations. Relations uh, were strengthened by the United Kingdom's alliance with the United States during both world wars, the, in the Korean conflict, and the Persian Gulf War, in Operation Iraqi Freedom, and in Afghanistan, as well as through its role as a founding member of the North Atlantic Treating Organization. Of course, that's NATO. Uh, the United Kingdom and the United States continually consult on foreign policy issues and global problems and share a major foreign and security policy objectives. The United States, the United Kingdom, very close allies. They need to remain that way, so I hope Trump and uh, May keep their mouths shut just so they can become better allies because it is frankly beneficial to the United States, beneficial to the United Kingdom, and beneficial to the whole entire world if these two great countries get along. That's my little spin on that. Uh, before the tweet, which was actually sent out at 4.48 a.m. this morning, 
which I guess would be 5.48 Washington, D.C. time. The president was up early when he heard this news. Before that, though, the day before, he was out in front of uh, his glorious uh, helicopter, which was displayed in his miraculous and uh, unnecessary 4th of July event, where it was kind of hard to hear, but he said this about the uh, U.K. ambassador. The ambassador has not served the U.K. well. I can tell you that. We're not, we're not big fans of that man. Yeah, he's not big fans of that man. Of course he's not a big fan. And, you know, you've never heard a single thing come out of his mouth, good or bad, about this man. Actually, nothing whatsoever until he attacks him. Very interesting. Trump, this is a big day for Trump, actually. He's been on uh, Twitter, he's been on the news, as always, but he's also done an interview with Fox Business. About who? Jerome Powell, that guy. Yeah, he's been out of the news for quite some time, and we're going to talk about it next, right here, right now, on the Jay Doherty Podcast. All right, let's talk about this guy. Jerome Powell, he is the Secretary of Labor, and he's had some uh, strange patterns of leadership, uh that have been kind of interesting, positive, actually. According to a CNN article published titled, Fed Chair Looks for a Backup from Congress Amid Trump Onslaught, the public calendars of Mr. Uh, Powell say that the first 16 months of his tenure as chairman shows he's held more than 100 meetings with individual lawmakers, earning a reputation for being unusually accessible. That's something you don't hear a lot in Washington. When you're a part of the political elite, you are completely unaccessible. The article goes on to say, For months, the president has continued, this looks at the broader picture, to use the Fed as his economic scapegoat. Now, that could not be more true. He blames, he goes back and forth about whether or not they should have raised interest rates, how that affected the economy. When the, when the economy goes well, he takes credit. When the economy doesn't go so well, he blames it on the Federal Reserve. That's not a new tactic. In fact, it's one of the oldest tricks in the book. But I don't think uh, Trump is the best at implementing it with complete honesty. Although he was on the phone with none other than Fox Business this morning, talking about uh, all of this stuff. And uh, more particularly, the reason why Mr. Powell is in the news is because Maxine Waters, the legend herself, I say that jokingly, uh, asked Mr. Trump, or excuse me, asked Mr. Powell whether or not if Trump decided to fire him, uh, this is just kind of a random question, maybe she just wanted to be in the news again, who knows, uh, if Trump were to fire him, would he accept his request for resignation. The transcript of that conversation will be on the uh, website, but basically what happens is um, Maxine Waters uh, asks, would you be fired? Would you comply if you were to get a phone call uh, from Trump alerting him that he should leave? Powell responded very quickly, of course I would not do that. And then Miss Waters said, I can't hear you uh, because so many people were laughing. Uh, in both Republicans and Democrats. People thought he was joking. Once the latter laughter quieted it down, Powell said the answer would be no. So he was serious. Then, Maxine Waters, of course, getting that airtime, says, do you believe the president doesn't have the authority, presumably to fire him, of course, 
He replied, What I have said is the law gives me a four-year term and I fully intend to serve it. Now, he's just creating beef with the president for no apparent reason, but Trump gets to uh, respond to that beef on Fox Business. He's a guy, nobody ever heard of him before, and now uh, I made him, and he, he wants to show how tough he is, okay? Let him show how tough he is. He's, a, he's, a, he's not doing a good job. Look. I have the right to demote him. I have, the right to, I have the right to fire him. You do have the power to fire him, Mr. President. Uh, I mean, at least you can recommend his resignation and get people to kind of force him to resign. I don't know the exact rules about firing people, but that's what he says. You know, in the past, he said when the economy isn't doing so well, he does use them as a scapegoat. Uh, he always basically blames any downfall in the economy whatsoever on Powell, and he re routinely suggests that it would be doing even better, referring to the economy, if the Fed hadn't raised interest rates last December. Now, uh, he also tweeted that uh, a while ago, our Federal Reserve doesn't have a clue. He said that he would uh, consider demoting and firing Powell if it really goes on to be, uh, you know, unstable. Uh, we'll talk about this. You know, that hearing that I was talking about with Mr. Powell is actually going on, or perhaps it just ended. I believe it actually did uh, just end. Let me go here to my phenomenal show outline, and we will try and get the live feed coming into the studio here. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, no, it just ended. It was about three hours and ten minutes. Chairman Powell, the Fed should be a leader on this issue. That's Maxine uh, Waters. She's the chairman of that committee. And Chairman Powell was up there taking questions from many, uh, many, many members of Congress. Financed auto receivables and commercial paper and things like that that were, that were failing and breaking down, and, and the economy was grinding to a halt. So that's just a little segment, random segment, that I got out from uh, the box coming into the stream right now. But uh, this whole deal here with Mr. Powell is quite interesting, and I hope to uh, see what happens. Will he be out of that administration? We do not know. Can't wait to see what happens. Beyond that, I don't think there's really much. I mean, we could analyze economic patterns for the next couple hours, but I think that would be pretty boring, and I don't think uh, many people would be interested in that. Those combinations do not make for a good show. So we're going to move on and talk about uh, the technology sector. You know, Apple, I don't even know if I talked about this, but Apple announced a new Mac Pro. I'm a huge fan of Apple. Uh, in many cases, there's many things that I don't agree, but sometimes understand how stubborn they are in certain things. And I also want to talk about uh, how smart they are in the way they get you, they force you to buy products, especially if you're a pro. It's coming up next on the Jay Doherty Podcast. We're going to take a right, uh, quick break. We will be right back. And we are at the uh, 19 minute and 36 second mark, so we'll end it out at 20 and uh, everyone listening right here, right now on the uh, podcast, you won't have to uh, be in any music or commercial breaks. But the people listening on the live stream, a number of people tuning in right now, you will uh, just probably wait a couple minutes, probably about seven minutes, six minutes or so. And we'll be right back on the Jay Doherty Podcast.
back to the Jay Doherty Podcast. It's what you're listening to right here, right now. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, what's going to talk about? Technology. One of my favorite subjects. Uh, one that I'm pretty uh, obsessed about. I, I do like computers. I do like the power that computers offer. And I know that's ironic considering I'm such an Apple, uh, you know, obsessed person. But I'm going to talk about why I prefer Mac OS over Windows and why Macs are actually generally, not always, cheaper than PCs. big warning here. I want to let everyone know about this. Big disclaimer before we go into the ne- this uh, next segment here. I'm going to say a lot of technical terms here, and I don't know if anyone, if everyone's going to understand them, So I and I don't say that in a pompous way. I'm just saying, like, you know, I, this might be very boring for the people who don't understand anything I'm saying. Uh, so, we're going to talk about this new Mac Pro. This thing is ridiculous. It is, I mean... Apple listened, in my opinion. I think they, um, this is not going to sell that well in terms of numbers, but the people who do buy it are going to really, really love it. Uh, it starts, you know, Apple always, you know, raves about how great the products are and then tells you the price at the end. I'm going to tell you the price right at the beginning. Now, we don't know that much. We don't know everything. We don't know much, we don't know, you know, how much it'll end up being if you spec the thing out completely. What we do know, though, is that the base model, which only has 256 gigabytes of um, uh, storage, SSD storage, which only has 8 cores, which only has 32 gigabytes of RAM, all of that, and oh yeah, and also an Intel Xeon processor, that starts at $6,000 before taxes. And that's just the computer. You don't get a monitor with it. Which I understand. I mean, of course, this is a completely modular PC. It's a PC device. It's built off of the cheese grater design, the one they originally used. And it's actually a really, really cool device. I, If I could, if you know, if I had uh, all of the money in the world and, uh, you know, complete power and control over everything and anything that I did course I would buy thousands of these and maybe rack mount them to build a Mac the first Mac supercomputer this thing is ridiculous so incredible amount of power many people in the kind of video editing community are shocked as to how much power this has because frankly they can't use it I mean I think to be honest the iMac Pro fits more the video editor the you know Someone who needs a really high-end computer, uh, but is not going to do, you know, incredible, strange amounts of, like, hardcore rendering and computation and things like that. I mean, this thing goes up to 28 cores of power 
and the processor, if you buy it alone, and assuming it's an Intel Xeon Platinum, it, it starts at $10,000. So you're kind of getting a deal, even though it's incredibly expensive. And uh, we'll talk about the crazy part. But anyway, you can go up to 28 cores of RAM, and there are 12 physical DIMM slots in the iMac Pro. Excuse me, in the new uh, Mac Pro. So you can actually... Uh, boost this thing up to one and a half terabytes of RAM. One and a half terabytes of RAM. No, not one and a half terabytes of uh, system storage. I'm talking about memory. That's crazy for a Mac. It's crazy for any computer. I don't know. I mean, you could technically probably have a smaller uh, SSD than you could have memory. You know, that's how you know you're elitist. With a 28-core model, you have 56 threads, 2.5 gigahertz base, which is kind of kind of close, kind of slow clock speed, but you can kind of redeem it with a 4.4 gigahertz turbo boost, and you get 66.5 megabytes in cache. The 24-core has a little bit faster base clock speed at 2.7 gigahertz, 4.4 gigahertz as the turbo boost, and 48 threads. The 16 has even faster clock speeds, 32 threads, 3.2 gigahertz, 4.4 turbo boost and 38 megabytes. Uh, the 12 core is 24 threads, 3.3, and uh, that goes up to 4.4 in the turbo boost. And on the 8 core, they kind of uh, this is where they get smart. They limit the turbo boost because this can do 16 threads at 3.5 gigahertz and uh, do 4. Now, this processor could easily, the 8 core processor could do 4.6 base. And go up to 5.0 on the Turbo Boost. That's the computer I'm using. Those are the specs on this computer. I'll read you my specs here on this computer. I have. And uh, I don't want anyone to be mad about this. Because I've used a laptop for a long time. And I recently got a uh, spectacular new computer that I'm incredibly grateful for. It is a 5K display. Retina 5K display. An iMac. An iMac. It's a 3.6 gigahertz processor, an Intel Core i9 processor. Yes, the i9 processor. Turbo boost up to 5 gigahertz. If you don't know what turbo boost is, a lot of people. Okay, so this is actually a really huge misconception. I'll get back to the specs in a second. Uh, people will say, oh, yeah, the turbo boost. Oh, my gosh, this is so great. You know, uh, you can just turbo boost it. And they don't really know what that means. They think, it, you know, it sounds cool. It looks cool. What it basically is is a technique that Intel and Apple have worked together to combine where basically uh, if your computer is slowing down or it's not taking advantage of all of the clock speed or it needs to take more advantage, it can quickly like basically step on the gas for a couple seconds and really rev the engines up so it gets the really complicated small task done so then it's easier for the CPU to render or do whatever you're doing uh, in the end. It's more of just a step on the gas type thing. But 3.6 gigahertz of processing uh, on the clock speed. Now, the 28-core model only has 2.5 gigahertz, and it goes up to 4.4 on Turbo Boost. Now, of course, it's 28 freaking cores, so you wouldn't really need a super fast clock speed because you have so many cores doing the processing. But still, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty crazy. Back to my specs, I have 64 gigabytes of 2667 uh, megahertz DDR4 RAM, and 
an 8GB Radeon Pro Vega graphics card. It's a pretty pretty good machine. Now, of course, I avoided the Apple tax, if you're wondering about that. Uh, and I'll talk about... You, you can look up the pricing on all that and then compare it to other computers. You'll realize that what I have in front of me has uh, double the power of the iMac Pro and half the price. Don't you like to hear that? Double the power, half the price? That is a good slogan if they wanted to ever advertise this in an honest way. Uh, and this is the 2019 iMac, just to be completely clear. But the numbers that Apple is advertising is ridiculous. They are ridiculous. In Autodesk Maya, the very popular uh, industry standard 3D modeling software, the 28-core uh, Mac Pro uh, does 4.2 times faster than the previous 12-core iMac Pro, 2.7 times faster uh, than the 18-core iMac Pro. In Logic Pro, you have more uh, 5.1 times more AMP designer plugins, and that's not really a, a super huge thing uh, for everyone because not everyone does uh, music and stuff. But what a lot of people use is Photoshop. And I think a lot of people are going to use this for uh, editing, probably more After Effects and, and heavy you know, effects processing. But in Photoshop, you have 4.2 two times faster processing of well-threaded uh, filters than the previous generation 12-core iMac and 3.3 times faster than the 18-core iMac Pro. Now, I really want to talk about the modularity of this thing because what they've done is they have eight PCI Express expansion, expansion slots and the really funny thing, and this is what I, I mean, this is where Apple marketing comes in, Instead of go figure, and they say go configure. I mean, that is the funniest joke I have ever heard in the history of this podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously. Never heard a funny, more funny joke. In fact, I think that is probably going to be the joke of the year. Go configure instead of go figure. Anyway, these uh, PCIe slots are very interesting. They have um, uh, three single-wide slots, four double-wide slots, uh, Two, uh, yeah, it looks like, uh, yeah, one half-length slot, which they actually populate with an I.O. card, uh, which has two, two USB-A, two USB-C, Thunderbolts, a headphone jack, which they've kept on this fine machine, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, perhaps there's an SD card, if I remember correctly. Uh, but there's also two other Thunderbolt ports at the top, and you can, of course, populate any of these PCIe cards with, uh, more, uh... IO cards, if you if you so need it. There's an incredible amount of performance packed into here. Uh, 1.5 terabytes of memory. That's ridiculous. But what I really want to talk about is the crazy, absolutely, absolutely crazy graphics card that they have in here. The world's most powerful graphics card, to be honest. And I'm not just saying that as a marketing thing. The Radeon Pro Vega 2, something that has been pretty quiet, uh, at least in the public eye, has up to 14 teraflops of compute performance. And the MPX connector, to use it, takes up to uh, 475 watts of power. Now, that's that's for this uh, one I.O. card that they have. Um, it's the MPX module. That's what they call them. Uh, and it stands for, I think, a Mac Pro something. I don't know. I can't remember what the, the X is, but they... 
put this in here and you can look at the picture. They call it the MPX module. And you can configure this completely the way that you want it to be. I, you know, what I'm, what I'm really interested to see is how they're going to do the spec sheet on this because people can configure these in such a unique, modular way. I'm very interested to see how much, um, what they're going to do with this. Now, these GPUs, crazy, crazy GPU, like, that, that you can put in there. You can put... Two Radeon Pro Vega Duo MPX modules in the computer. Now, you have to remember, this does take up a considerable amount of PCIe slots, but you do still have three single wide slots uh, and an I.O. card in there that you can still have. But if, you, if you're using this for graphics rendering exclusively, this is definitely what you want to do. If you put two in there, you don't have to, but if you put two in there, you can have up to 56 teraflops and 128 gigabytes of memory in your graphics card. In your graphics card. I don't say that. I know that probably sounds cringy, but 128 gigabytes of memory in your graphics card? I mean, that is insane. That can render machine learning, particle simulations, cancer simulations, uh, super high-end gaming, not that I don't think you would ever need to render that many pixels, but in a game, but uh, you know that's what happens. Now, there's two things that you have to think about when you think about this incredible amount of power. You have the crazy CPU, the crazy amount of cores, the insane amount of RAM, and the remarkable, absolutely remarkable uh, amount of GPU capacity. And you can even configure. There's so many ways you can figure this. You can have a Radeon Pro 580X, which is a crazy amount of uh, graphics, just to begin with. You can have uh, a Radeon Pro Vega 2, which by itself has 1 terabyte of se uh, per second memory bandwidth, 64 gigabytes of memory within it, and 56.8 teraflops of half precision, 28.4 of single precision. And if that's not enough, you could put two of those things in the computer, as I just said. But... This is what you really want to hear. Final Cut Pro. I use that all the time for video, for so many different things. With the Mac Pro Dual Radeon Pro Vega 2, 2.9 times faster render speed. And if you compare it to the iMac Pro Radeon Pro Vega 64X, 1.5 times 64X. Now, these are all, of course, not tested by anyone who is a directly reliable source. These are all advertised by Apple and... I'm sure uh, very exaggerated, not dishonestly, just they quit everything. They probably have a special version of the software that runs, so they're not lying. They're just pushing it. They walk right up to the line, but don't cross it. You can have up to four terabytes of storage uh, internal, which, let's just face it, many pros use servers, and four terabytes is plenty of SSD storage. You don't need more than that at least internally, uh, for many pros. And it's very fast SSD storage. The T2 security chip is on uh, this fine device. And you get that uh, great I.O. Oh, and by the way, I was correct uh, in saying that the iMac Pro does not have an SD card on it, just so you know. And you can populate whatever you want uh, in those PCIe slots. So technically, hypothetically, you could have, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, times 4 is 
40 plus 2 is 42 plus 2 is 44. You could technically have 44 Thunderbolt ports and uh, let's just see here, 10 HDMI ports. And built in next to the power uh, connector, you get two 10 gigabit Ethernet ports. Crazy. Now, on the back, on, on this model, it says that you can have up to 12 Thunderbolt 3 ports. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to see how much you can populate with these PCIe slots just because it's so modular. It's similar to how they say that you can only have 64 gigabytes of RAM on an iMac, but you can actually push it up to 128 if you so wish. So, they're not, they sometimes bend the truth because they don't want you to use external parts. We'll see. We will see. This thing is a beast. A total, absolute beast. Now, I want, I want you, I want you, the listeners, to guess, if we max out the whole entire thing, how much will the thing cost? How much will it cost? I want you to know. Uh, the number is 312-625-8492. My guess, my guess for this uh, incredible price point, probably around $50,000 if you max it out. And that's just for the computer. You don't get a monitor. Speaking of the monitor, this monitor, they, they, now you don't have to use this monitor. You don't have to. They recommend it, of course, because it's made by Apple. It is their only, their first 6K monitor. It's called the Pro Display XDR, XDR standing for Extreme Dynamic Range. They coined the term, of course, based off of a high dynamic range. And this thing is ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Wait till you hear the price. First of all, I mean, it is incredible dynamic range. Truly incredible dynamic range. Uh, they base this is the first uh, display that Apple's made that has HDR support. They have a thousand nits of full screen sustained brightness, sixteen hundred nits of peak brightness. Now I don't know. I, I I mean truly I don't know how many people have seen a thousand nits at full screen sustained brightness. I've seen it a couple of times just in in person at different various places where I've seen specked out computers. That's incredibly bright and sixteen hundred at peak. This thing is crazy, absolutely crazy. Like just insane, and they they basically redesigned the inside of it and now. They exaggerate how much they've redesigned it, but it's it's a 6K display. You have 25 times better off-axis contrast than a typical LCD, and there's they've tried to minimize the glare. I don't know. I mean, it looks pretty glossy in person. They really like that gloss, but they've tried to minimize the glare. And the crazy thing to me, 6K. 6K, this is what this thing is. And, um, it, it's really, I mean, it's, it's a re really great monitor, in my opinion. It's really cool. Now, I, of course, would never even dare to buy this thing. Never ask for it. I think it's a total waste of money. But if you have the money, you should get it. 6K, and that's just for the monitor. Now, guess how much this costs? The most expensive version, coincidentally, is 6K, as in $6,000. 6K for $6,000. If you get the nano texture version, which is the fancy version, if you want the standard version, you get, 
uh, that that is uh, five thousand dollars, forty nine ninety nine. Same as the iMac Pro, which has an all in one computer built in, thirty two gigabytes of RAM, a nice SSD, and a pretty decent graphics card. Or you can get a monitor with no stand, no mount, just the monitor itself for for five thousand dollars. Same price, by the way, as the iMac Pro. Just saying. If you feel so inclined that you are, if you that you want to have the privilege of getting a stand for your monitor or a mount for your monitor, they make it only one way. No universal uh, support here. One way only. You can buy the one thousand dollar stand that they give you that has portrait mode support and other than that is basically like a standard uh, but uh, standard uh, monitor mount or monitor stand uh, $1000 for that the only thing that's unique about it is it has portrait mode support but you can get a desk mount from Amazon for 90 bucks and it has full complete portrait mode support uh, you can mount it to the wall you can mount it to your desk it's all completely black. You can even tie cables through the stand. I mean, this thing has none of that. And it's ten times the price. Crazy. But it is 32 inch, thirty-two inches. But still, ridiculous amount. And the bezels are pretty thin. But still, $1,000. I understand the price of the monitor. I'm not... I mean, that's... The, the the price of the monitor five thousand to six thousand that's fine I mean it is a crazy monitor I don't I wouldn't need it I don't think many people would need it but the, for the people who do and have the money go get it that's great I think that's a very fair price actually but to charge an extra one thousand dollars for a stand I mean what the heck what now to be fair many professionals like myself do not have stands for their monitors they mount it on the wall I've let's just see here. One, two, three, four monitors, and they're all mounted on the wall because it is much better, in my opinion, uh, to have it mounted on the wall than have it on a stand in most cases. But who knows? Maybe this robotic-looking um, mount in stand might have a, be a little bit better. Who knows? The one thing I forgot to mention is two things. Uh... In the Mac Pro, that's an incredible amount of power. You have to think, wow, this is doing so much computation. How is it going to be cool? How are we going to keep this fine device nice and cold? Well, they have a pretty cool fan system. Uh, it's hard to describe in person, but the whole thing looks like a cheese grater. And the f there's three fans in it. And the fan design is actually really, really cool. It keeps everything cool, and the fans spin. The airflow goes directly in and out of the PC. It is a fabulous design. Seriously, I don't. I, I am not saying that sarcastically. It is probably one of the best designs Apple's ever had. They keep that same uh, look and feel going with the Pro Display XDR, which also needs cooling because of how bright it can get, because of how much it can do. It has four Thunderbolt ports on the back, and um, the thing is crazy. It does need a lot of cooling, so they have the same kind of cheese grater look on the back of that uh, fine device. And uh, that's what they use there. That's the cooling. Now, 
what you really have to ask the question, why the Mac Pro needs such a sophisticated cooling system, is all that comp computation power takes up a lot of power. This Mac Pro takes up 1.4 kilowatts of power. That's the power supply they're giving it. 1.4 kilowatts. A normal desktop takes uh, about 80, maybe 300 if you're crazy doing a lot of power. 1.4 kilowatts of power supply, ladies and gentlemen. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. This thing is insane. Uh, and I'm being totally, completely honest. Uh, 1.4 kilowatts of power. I mean, that is insane. I don't know. What do you think? Is it overpriced? Is that too much power? Is that too little power? Are you going to buy it? Are you not going to buy it? Why not? Why if you are? This is the Jay Doherty Podcast, 312-625-8492. If you want to leave a voicemail, we'll play it on the show next time on the live stream. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feelings, or things you want to settle, as a number to call on the Jay Doherty Podcast. We'll close out with uh, some Ikes and tracks here. And I appreciate everyone, including you, for listening to the show. I also want to talk about uh, our phenomenal sponsor as we close out the show, Blueberry. They're a phenomenal affiliate of ours here. And I highly recommend you to use them for your hosting. You get unlimited downloads, no contracts. You can cancel anytime. It's optimized for iTunes and podcasting. You get audio, audiobooks, videos, EPUBs, and PDF completely supported. You can use HTML5 te technology, which I use on my website. You have no special uploading tools or software required. They have completely automated in um, insight ID3 taggings. And you can actually do textual metadata and even image metadata on the site. You also get a phenomenal tool that many places do not have. Media validation, something I use all the time. Making sure that the format that you have your content in, the way you have it set up and the way you have it structured will play in all podcast directories. I do that every single time I upload a podcast and use that phenomenal feature. You get premium podcast statistics for an extra $5 a month and free technical support by email even if you don't pay them. But if you do, which I would recommend using their paid service, it is much better you get a month free of that service if you use my name J-A-Y-D-O-H-E-R-T-Y at checkout. Thank you so much for listening to the Jay Doherty Podcast. My name is Jay Doherty. I'll be back next week to deliver all the latest news on politics, technology, and so much more. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you listening to this episode. See you next time.